what can I do right now here in my studio yeah. to release some of the tension besides giving myself my own massage? Yeah. Okay. So the the two, like, <laughs> I mean, you can. Stop laughing, Rachel. I don't mean, I, I know what Rachel's thinking. I see it on her face. She's thinking like when I say self-massage, <laughs> she's thinking something else. I mean, that's an option too. That is a great way but- <laughs> to resolve the stress cycle. I am just saying. <laughs> If it feels good, it's a great way to resolve the stress cycle. That could happen after <laughs> this. Hey, Warners, welcome to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About, the podcast that makes business sexy again. I'm Gina Tremarco, sales trainer, master sales trainer. I have to remember my title every time. Master sales trainer and director of coaching programs at Sales Gravy. And I'm Rachel Pitts. I am a master sales coach at Sales Gravy and creator of your ultra fit lifestyle and brand new owner of a dance studio. Woo woo. <laughs> so many things. So, so many, many things. opportunities for stress. <laughs> remember when I had so many things and now I've limited to one thing, but this stress hasn't changed. It's just different. It's just compacted in a different way. Um, and I'm not complaining about it, but this episode is about stress management and we all need it. No matter what your walk is in life, you especially need it if you're a salesperson, mm-hmm. for sure. If you're in sales, you need stress management. So um, we're excited about this episode with Justine Sones. Well, any any kind of feelings? Speaking of the feels, we talk a lot about the feels here. Did you have any specific feels on this episode, oh, Rachel? Lots. I, I, she gives you a lot of um, just different ways to look at how the stress is coming into our lives and how we're managing it and some of the unhealthy behaviors that show up in order for us to survive what we're going through. And at this point, um, there's a lot out there to be stressed about on the, you know, the tail end or the new beginning or whatever we are with COVID um, and all of the havoc that that pandemic has wreaked upon certain industries and changes within your industry and, you know, having to pivot and shift. Um, it's, there's a lot out there right now. So it's really timely to have her on the show. And I, I like her approach. She's not super duper too woo woo, which when it yeah. gets too woo, I, I get a little, you know, depends on the day really, but uh, she's got real <laughs> tangible down to earth methods of looking at how the stress is affecting you. Yeah. I love this so much that I, we, we asked her to come back and do a few more episodes in some other areas of stress, because that's, that's how much we got out of this. I, Love the conversation around the stress feedback loop. So I think our warners will really appreciate this. Again, no matter what your walk in life is right now, this is something that you need. I also like that she talked about the brain stuff that we talk about at Sales Gravy and, and how your brain can't tell the difference between you know a physical threat and a social threat. And so um, there's a lot of congruence um, on this uh, with Sales Gravy the sponsor of this show. So Warner, sit back and enjoy this episode with Justine Sones. I am so excited about this episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About. Welcome, Justine. Justine, how do you say your last name? Sones? 
Yes, yes, Justina it rhymes. Sounds. It rhymes with Jones. People always try to make it really fancy. They're like, "Is it Sonessa?" Uh, and I'm so like, Nessa? "Nope, it's so it's Sones. Yeah. Where Where are you based? Uh, I am on the west coast of Canada, just outside of Vancouver. Hey, okay, fantastic, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I I got to tell you, I couldn't be more excited about a guest as I am today about you because I am so fucking stressed out right now. <laughs> Just going to put it out there. I'm sorry for those who hate that I swear. That today never is happens. A, today is a swear day. I'm today, here for it. Today, because you know what? You know what? You know what I like about it? Here's the thing with when I drop the F-bomb. It is a stress reliever for me. I don't know. Maybe you can talk about that. I know you can talk about relieving stress. And I, I want to get right to it because you're your bio pulled me in writer and stress management coach who loves drinking coffee. Hey, I love you there. I love you on the coffee thing. Um, Cause I'm coffee fanatic and believe it or not, I'm, I'm, I've had a lot of coffee today, but I'm not as jacked up as usual. And you help burnt out humans set boundaries and talk about things that hurt. It's like you were sent to me today. Yes. Yes. I, it's funny. I've been hearing that a lot from people over the last year. And every time I'm like, oh, I'm so glad to hear like that the timing is good. Not glad to hear that you're feeling like <laughs> shit because I've been there. It is not fun. But yeah, well, it just has the pandemic. I'm assuming the pandemic has been a big part of what you're hearing out there with stress. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because part of my Um, you know, journey with stress and what brought me to doing the work that I do now was really like, it it was really brought to light in my postpartum experience after having my second child, because it was like, I was always really conscious of managing my stress and practicing self-care. Like my background was massage therapy. I thought I had that whole routine dialed in, Um, but it turned out that it required a lot of elements being in my control. And after I had kids, a lot of things then were out of my control and I lost a lot of those support systems that I normally had access to. So for me, that resulted in hitting this kind of like self-care rock bottom where I had to really start building those supports from scratch. And so that led me to developing this stress management framework that's built for survival mode. So that's what I was starting to like really work on and and incorporating the conversation about what boundaries had to do with that. And then the pandemic hit and all of a sudden people are like, oh my goodness, I get survival mode. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so it was, yeah, this really natural alignment of what I'd been working towards. How did you go from massage therapist to stress management guru? Yeah, that's kind of a funny story. It was a really natural progression. Like I started in massage therapy, always knowing it was just my starter career. Like I wasn't attached to that as being like who I was as a person. It was just something I was doing. Um, And I was always really naturally interested in personal development, personal growth, um, and that type of stuff. And so during my years in massage therapy, I started to move. I started as a really specific, like medically oriented therapist. And then over time, I started to realize, um, how do I want to say this? I started to see like the more general trends of stress showing up in my massage therapy patients and clients and realized that I was limited in the medical model to how I could help them. 
So that's where on the side, I started writing about self-care, stress management, and really started to see the overlap of those areas. And then after having kids, I just kind of made the leap into the self-care stress management thing, which I made up. It, it was just like, what do I do? I'm <laughs> love like, it. this. So yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So there was a lot of self-teaching along the way. What came up for you um, in massage therapy? Like, what were the things that showed up that you're like, man, these people are stressed? One of the things that really showed up for me was like, I I went into my career thinking that, you know, you do your assessments, you make a treatment plan, people follow the instructions, and then people get better. And I started to come up against this wall of like, well, I'm doing all the things that I'm supposed to do, they're doing the things they're supposed to be doing, but they're not actually getting better. So it started to bring to light that like, it wasn't about the specific interventions, it had to do more with the overall um, wellness of the body. Mm -hmm. And so then I started to notice, yeah, yeah, when I when I got less specific and started getting into more like, how do we create a state of recovery in the body, mm. then people started to get better. And so it wasn't about the rotator cuff injury. It was about the fact that they were really guarded and perpetuating a stress cycle without actually resolving the initial cause of it. So yeah, I moved from hey. symptom management and treatment to actually getting to root core cause treatment. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. You know, I just had... I a uh, massage therapist that I found that will, does home visits and it just became made sense in, in, in COVID times. And she was saying to me that a lot of her clients are older people and they have just gotten into massage and they say over and over, I wish I had done started doing this earlier in life because a lot of people look at, they look at massage they look at self-care in general as a luxury that mm -hmm. they, they don't have time for. Moms, and I'm sure that you, that came up for you, it's like moms are perpetually saying, I just don't have time for myself, but it's really kind of a choice, which I know you, you talk about that people-pleasing thing that you know, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So if mama needs a bubble bath, everybody is best to allow her to do so and do some self-care yeah. and get her that massage. Yeah. Well, and I think that there's elements where it it can be a choice and there can be elements where it's made really inaccessible. And then like it, it becomes really hard to meet people where they're at with some of those really externally based um, self-care interventions. And so mm. that's even part of what I found with massage therapy, where it was like, well, people can't always get out of the house, get the time off work, like get into the clinic. Um, and again, the real benefit wasn't about me like digging into the muscle and pushing on a pressure point that releases all the tension. It was that when people are really stressed out and the loop in their brain is perpetuating stress, sometimes you can't disrupt that cycle because you're too in it. And so the value of massage was actually that it initiated relaxation and brought down that overall stress level so that then people were actually at a place that they could deal with some of those mental loops. So then, yeah, so where, where that practice it has transitioned to what I do now is it's instead of physically working with my hands on tissue to bring down people's stress levels, I really help them access that internal space to create the recovery mm -hmm. so that they can bring down their stress response. So yeah, because then if you are in those moments that like you can't get a massage, you can't have a bubble bath, like you're doing really well to get two minutes of quiet, how can you use that to create resolution? Mm. 
Yeah. So there's really, a, there's, there's two different things here. The, what you talked about earlier, the medical, the physical, the, when you're pressing on those tense muscles, you're in essence, releasing chemicals, right. From the muscles that are going to have an impact. But when you're talking about, you talked about the loop in your brain that perpetuates the stress, then there's, that's the mental mm-hmm. part of it that is different from the physical part of it. So when it comes to that mental part where I can't get out and get a massage right now, or go to the gym um, or, or do something physical like that, let's just jump right into it. Yeah. What can I do right now here in my studio yeah. to release some of the tension besides giving myself my own massage? Yeah. Okay. So the, the two, like, <laughs> I mean, you can Stop laughing, Rachel. I don't mean, I, I know what Rachel's thinking. I see it on her face. She's thinking like, when I say self-massage, <laughs> she's thinking something else. I mean, that's an option too. That is a great way but- <laughs> to resolve the stress cycle. I am just saying <laughs> if it feels good, it's a great way to resolve the stress cycle. That could happen after this. <laughs> yeah. So, so what you were what you were identifying there with the internal and external. How I often distinguish that for people is talking about the stressor as something outside of you that is creating a stress response. So, like if you are crossing the street and you have a near miss getting hit by a car and you have this moment of stress, that's real. There was an external stress response, but then the threat passes and you calm down. Or sorry, that was the stressor that causes a stress response, which is the internal reaction. So your stress response is the increased heart rate, the shortened uh, breath, the tense muscles, right? Now, where it gets interesting is that your body can't necessarily tell the difference between a real and a perceived threat, which is part of where, again, that mental stress versus physical stress thing becomes important. And by the way, we talk about that at Sales Gravy all the time. The the brain cannot tell the difference between physical and social threat. It's the same thing in sales and and overcoming objections, right? Like it's that fear. It's the perceived fear. Go on. Yeah. And it's it's also really important to be able to identify like, yes, this is a real limitation or no, this this is something that you can mentally work through. Right. And so like digging into those different sources of stress, that's part of why it's really important. So so then the question for me becomes, how can we unpack that internal story that's perpetuating the stress response. And so I break down kind of this stress feedback cycle in terms of you have the input, which is the source of the stress. There's the feeling that you get in response to that. There's the story that you tell yourself Mm. as a result of the feeling. Mm -hmm. And then there's the way that you react on the other side of that. Mm. So if you find yourself, you know, sitting at your desk feeling this insane amount of stress, but there's not actually like a cougar looking over your shoulder, potentially threatening to attack you, to attack you, then the question becomes like, what am I actually responding to here? What's the fear mm. and, or what's the uncomfortable feeling and how can I answer it? Mm. I, I, you're bringing to mind, um, a feeling like the stressor, the feeling I was identifying as you spoke, uh, I just transitioned out of the mortgage industry and there was a feeling that I used to get and it would, it was that feeling of somebody standing on my chest and I could, it was hard to breathe. And my response to that would be all kinds of negative stuff. Um, and it was just a direct result of 
you know, honestly, I think it's a direct result of people pleasing and worrying I was going to screw something up or the imposter syndrome in this industry that I, I spent a long time in the real estate industry, but a shorter period of time in the mortgage industry. And I just constantly had that imposter syndrome simply because I didn't have as much experience as my branch manager would have you. And I just would get so like, <gasps> because I just thought I was going to fail. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. You just so hit on the head. Like I'm having not like this is new to me, but for some reason it's resonating bigger with me today of that people pleasing. Like when, when, when Justine's like, what's the fear and how can I answer it? I'm like, I like, I was able to quickly in my head answer what the fear was. I was like, Oh shit. Why am I even letting that be a fear? It's usually unreasonable. <laughs> Well, it's yeah. it's usually rooted in some path of logic that is reasonable to your own nervous system and lived mm-hmm. experience. And I think okay. so. So for me, a large part of the work is it's really important to be honest about all the steps of that path, knowing that the feelings that you are having and the story that you're telling yourself, it's really valuable information, but that doesn't make it objective truth that's worth acting on, Mm. right? So it's like you can acknowledge that a feeling is there and, and know that it's influencing the way that you are inclined to react. And then you can make a conscious choice and say like, okay, anger, I get that you're feeling like things are really unfair here. They might be. That doesn't mean that we need to like leap across the table and punch someone in the face. (laughs) Right. Like good information feeling. That was a really bad suggestion for what to do. (laughs) But by the same token, if you if you ignore that for a long time, like it's going to make itself known. Yeah. And punching sounds so good right right? now. Well, and you can punch pillows. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. This is what I tell my kids. It's like you you can act on your feelings in a way that does not cause harm to yourself or others. And that's this allowed. brings me back. This brings me back, Rachel, to that that thing we were going to do. We haven't done and go axe throwing. Yeah, I think you know that what? Would There's another good. place around here somewhere where you can go and like destroy shit, like break glass and yes, use a yes. sledgehammer to do the kind of things. So that sounds fun too. I, somebody yes. was talking about that the other day, and I'm like, it's like a scream room or something. Yes. I forget what it's called. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And you know, I've been saying for years before before I was divorced the last time. I used to talk about getting a um a punching bag for the garage because yes just to let let because you can't just ignore the stress. I'm right now reading a book called Becoming Supernatural, which I'm sure you've heard of. And he has this I read the Cliff News so version of it. There's a story that he begins this book with with about this woman who basically like her husband goes and jumps off the tallest building in the city and she gets this news. And so she's just stuck in that feedback loop of trauma, Mm -hmm. which perpetuates and then leads to medical problems and leads to depression and leads to everything falling apart to the point that finally, until she hits that rock bottom that you mentioned that she's got to flip it around and then she does and Mm -hmm. in turn heals herself on a lot of levels. And, and um, he talks directly about that, that if you stay in that fight or flight survival mode for too long without addressing that issue is going to manifest into some pretty negative, nasty, gnarly stuff. And here's some words from our sponsor, Jeb Blunt at Sales Gravy. Hi, this is Jeb Blunt. There's a reason why thousands of sales professionals and top companies across the globe hone their sales skills at Sales Gravy University. 
You see, Salesforce University is different than most learning platforms. First, we have live courses taught in a virtual classroom by our master trainers that start almost every single day. And our e-learning platform is populated with hundreds of hours of sales training content produced by some of the top sales trainers in the world, including Gina's spontaneous selling course, which is worth checking out. Now I've got some good news. If you've never taken a course on SalesGravy University, if you're a new user, you can take your very first course for free. That's any course on the platform, absolutely free. Just go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com or click the e-learning tab in the top menu at salesgravy.com. Pick out your course. And when you check out, use coupon code free course to get that course for free. That is free course to get your very first course for free. Speaking of Sales Gravy University, go check out salesgravy.university and see some of the courses that I'm teaching. Just scroll through the university and click on them and you will find me and sign up. I'd love to have you there. Yeah, it's like stress itself is not a bad thing. Unresolved stress is not a great thing. Like stress is a protective mechanism. And, and it's also in terms of those defensive responses, like we, we commonly talk about the fight or flight, uh, but there's also freezing and fawning. And so people pleasing is fawning. So it's actually its own uh, trauma-based survival technique, which again, Ooh. it, and, 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 and it's a tricky one because it manifests, especially. Oh my gosh, I've never heard of this fawning thing. I, I identified somebody immediately. I I'm like, yep, she does mm-hmm. that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no. I just love when I learn new shit. Yeah. And it's interesting because it manifests like particularly for women because we're culturally yeah. rewarded for people pleasing. Fawning. Yeah, for yeah. compromising our boundaries. But then the long-term result of that, of that betrayal of self, it ends up harboring resentment and really unhealthy, toxic behavior. I know somebody that does that. And it's interesting. She had a really nasty divorce. Her husband, her ex-husband cheated on her. Not me. No, it's not you. It's somebody else. Um, (laughs) Just he had cheated on her. He went off and married this person. And she, it just, and this was years ago, but it eats away at her so bad because she has not figured out a way to forgive and let go go. and she is a very very like all she wants to do is people please because she's Mm -hmm. so lost in her grief and her anger Mm -hmm. and her hurt that that's kind of the only thing that she knows to do to make herself feel better and i know deep in her soul she's just not happy and it comes out comes out in weird ironic she's probably like she's trying to be a people pleaser but she's miserable she is it's sad yeah and and that's a really interesting thing is how counterproductive how counterproductive it actually is and like the truth of the matter is that we all have personality traits that can exist on a spectrum and when we're taking care of ourselves we tend to express at our best we have healthy relationships we're good for the people around us if we're not taking care of ourselves the worst side of ourselves show up. So when you get into Amen. when you get mm. into especially dealing with people pleasers because you spend your whole life determining your sense of worth and self based on external validation. So your lens is constantly looking outward seeking for other people to tell you it, who you are basically. So when shit hits the fan, it's not surprising that you don't have the tools for 
inward inquiry. And so then it becomes almost this victim mentality of like, well, I did everything for you. And look what you did to me when mm. the reality is that we are all participating in these relational dynamics and are all responsible for the outcomes to a degree. We all have needs and relationships help us meet those needs. And so acting out as a reflection of an unmet need, how are we responsible mm. and accountable to the people in our relationships and to ourselves? Ooh, so true. So true. <laughs> Thinking about a lot of my past behavior. Now I've definitely evolved over time to be, yes. I think, you know, a big part of it is to be self-aware yes. of your behavior so that, you know, you can get, get control of that so that you're not doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but you talk about tools. What are some tools for us? Yeah. So uh, we actually already alluded to some when you were talking about like axe throwing and the scream rooms and stuff like that. <laughs> I don't know if that's a real thing, but like my car is my scream room. So I often talk about having an active feelings practice to help with resolving the stress cycle, because part of the issue is, again, like a lot of our current self-care model is broken. And one of the things that I think is so wrong with it is that it really prioritizes feeling good as the end result, mm. instead of enabling us to sit with feelings of discomfort. Mm. And so I think that it's really important as part of your self care and stress management to learn how to sit with those things that are uncomfortable. So part of that means being able to process some of that superficial static of the feeling that really gets our attention so that we can unpack what's underneath it. And so that can mean something like going for a run or I like to rage sing in my car. Like it is just I go for rage, a, rage, sing, rage, sing. Yes. So okay. like sing as loudly as I can, like turn up the volume so loud I can't hear myself and just like let out the feelings. There's a song for every feeling. Yes. Right. Sure. And what we want to do is create yeah. this like embodied experience. For me, that's singing mm. the deep breaths, the yelling, the like getting my brain on a track of like focusing on a lyric all of those things help to get me out of a negative spiral place and into a place where i'm able to actually like okay take a deep breath now what am i actually dealing with mm -hmm. so that's really the first thing that i encourage people to start doing is finding the space to sit with those feelings whether it's anger or rage or bitterness or resentment or any of those things because underneath that feeling is a need it's one of those things that i love about a yoga practice is like if you really get into yoga in certain forms of yoga that's the deal you're getting comfortable being uncomfortable and mm -hmm. it opens up the opportunity to be like okay i can handle uncomfortable things yes yes and that yeah it's part of where physical activity i think is such a great representation of um, learning how to sit with the end of our comfort zone, because it's like being able to, you know, in a stretch, people can relate to that feeling of like, it stretches, it feels good, it feels just a little uncomfortable. If you go farther, you're going to start tearing muscle fibers. So you, you lean back. And so it's like finding that tension point in your emotional resilience and your mental resilience is as important. Oh, yeah. You know, we, um, we, we often in training talk about emotional control and feelings and we, we feel first and then we think, mm -hmm. right? We so make sense of, the, yeah. Yeah, we feel first and then we think. And I do um, a triggers exercise um, 
for emotional intelligence, specifically for self-empathy. And it's, it's along these same lines of identifying the feeling, right? Mm -hmm. Like something triggers you stop, identify the feeling. How am I feeling? What does that make me think? What do I need? Mm -hmm. It's it's those three steps. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like that's pretty congruent with what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that element of acknowledging, like, what's the story I'm telling myself? Is that real or not? In there. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, you know, if... If at the end of the day, the house is a mess and my husband comes in and he's just like tired and kind of like looks around and just does a bit of a like, oh, does the dishwasher need to be run? If I'm in a really sensitive place and really stressed out, Mm. I'm going to be like, oh, my goodness, you think that I'm not doing a good job managing the house. You think I'm a shit wife. You think I'm a shit mom. What do you think I did all day and blah, blah, blah. And like without pausing to say, is that true? And if I can take the beat to say like, okay, here's the thing I'm feeling. Here's what I'm making it mean. Is that true? Yes or no? And sometimes it is true, but the poor guy's got to take cover because he's like, just wanted to know if I should turn it on. I know. He's like, I just had a question. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I had feelings and feelings about my feelings and stories about those and thoughts about like. (laughs) And he's backing out of the room. Yeah. Like, oops, she's on her period. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm just like that all the time, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm very, but I'm very self-aware about it as the thing. And so like, I don't harbor that and like, carry it with me and let it fester. I'll just kind of have this like, and also I'm like, oh, he's like, are you having a big feeling? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, but I realize it's not true. And, And I wasn't always that like you know but but i've oh learned to temper my responsibility oh my god i don't know if any of our listeners are like me in terms of felix will be like are you okay do you want to talk about it no i'd rather not talk about it and then slam some shit around for a while until i start spewing it out <laughs> and then like spinning out of control of every single crazy thing that i can come up with and then i'll be done and he'll be like or he'll go fishing and then come back and I'll go, I'm sorry. I, that was not about you. <laughs> yes. Well, maybe we got to call this episode. Are you having a big feeling? I think I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to teach this phrase to Dave because right now he currently uses the, Oh, you're pouting. <laughs> this <is> phrase. <laughs> I see you're pouting. <laughs> no, I want you to ask me if I'm having a big feeling. Yeah. That's yeah, not pouting. Big, I'm having a big pouty feeling. feeling. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes, sometimes it's like, are you pouting? It's like, no, I'm just processing something that you don't actually need to be looped into because it won't be helpful. Like <laughs> planning your death. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saving you right now. <laughs> <laughs> My brain's telling me to make a very bad decision, so I'm reining that in. <laughs> I love. I'm gonna rein that in. Um, I do want to talk about. Because in in your bio you talk about um, over functioning. Uh, you're coaching other over functioning humans. Uh, that sounds like Rachel and I develop healthy boundaries. Let's talk about healthy boundaries, especially for people pleasers. Oh, she's rubbing her hands. She's so excited. <laughs> this is something that I'm slowly getting better at, but it is definitely, I could take all the tips I can get. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's it's really interesting because practicing self-care and setting boundaries are really hard things, especially for people pleasers, because there are kind of two um, false beliefs that are associated with them that are kind of rooted in the same thing, which is this idea that when you practice self-care or set boundaries, it makes you selfish or mean, when the reality is that you only have the capacity to give if you practice self-care and set boundaries. So part of part of the coaching practice that I have is helping people learn to understand the protective function of a healthy boundary, the fact that it's a limit that you put in place to protect yourself, um, again, so that you are able to show up for the people and things that you care about in whole and meaningful ways. So, yeah, we often end up looking at where those boundaries exist in terms of setting, you know, physical boundaries or mental, emotional boundaries, like ones that protect your time, your energy. Um, and then it's in the space that you claim with those boundaries that you actually take care of yourself. Well, how do we get better at setting boundaries? Because it's really easy to say, I'm going to set boundaries and then I don't. So learning to set boundaries means it starts with being able to connect with your feelings because your feelings are where your boundaries exist. Like those negative feelings that we get are clues to boundary violations. <sighs> boundary violations. Mm. <laughs> oh I'm, I'm going to start writing tickets. Got a few boundary violations. You know, I um, <laughs> another book that I've been into lately talks about um, selfishness being set, having such a negative connotation, but there's a certain advantage to having some selfishness and it's kind of what you're talking about, um, that you can't, you can't really, if you're one of our warners, you probably are out there have these giant goals that are like huge and overwhelming because that's how we roll. And you if you want to achieve those, you have to be selfish and you have to take care of yourself so that you yeah. can show up for it. If you want to yeah. be the best mom ever, you've got to take care of yourself so you can show up for it. If you want to kick ass in business, you've got to take care of yourself mm -hmm. so you can show up and be resilient enough. And yeah. um, like I, in my wise old years, <laughs> I'm pretty selfish in a lot of ways. And I just had this conversation with my ex that he's he said... I just want her to Roxy to know that she's the most important thing in the world to me. And I'm over here like, well, she's important to me and I'm actually the most important one to me because if I'm not taking care of myself and demonstrating how to make yourself important, mm -hmm. then she's going to just become people pleaser too and make everybody else more important than she is to herself. Mm -hmm. So like she understands that she is important to me. And yes. I have a lot of other things that are really important to me too. Yep. I just have to set the boundary. One of the things that I often talk about when we're like discussing self-care and boundaries, you know, the, there's that cliche that you, um, you can't pour from empty, right? You have to fill your cup yeah. with self-care. And so when I'm talking about this with people and we're trying to kind of give perspective to that relationship between self and others, because what, what a healthy boundary does is help you um, basically determine where you end and where other people begin. Where's your responsibility? Where's their responsibility? So if we want to talk about filling that cup of self, let's imagine that you have this like circle self where you exist and then you draw a ring around that circle and then a few more so you're basically working with this target and in those rings you start to 
put the other roles and relationships that you occupy in your life based on their importance to you. Mm -hmm. So when I'm mm -hmm. constructing this ring for myself, that cup of self is in the center. The first ring is my partner and then my two kids. Out from there, I start to get to some of my immediate family, my close friends. And so if I take that target and grab that cup of self and stretch it up so that now we have a stack or like a fountain, that's where you have to pour into. And mm -hmm. so this is where we start to revisit that conversation of that external validation or people pleasing versus internal. Because if we fill that stack of cups from the top, it's naturally going to flow out and fill those outer rings based mm -hmm. on the level of importance and your responsibility to the people on the other side. Mm -hmm. But if you try to start at that outer ring and then work your way up, you are never going to get there. And again, like you yeah. don't just stop pouring from empty, you start pouring out resentment and unhealthy, toxic behavior. So again, that tendency to people please, we're told is gonna make us feel good, but it actually ends up coming at the cost of the most important work and relationships that we have. Mm. I think so many people don't recognize that they they're in this place of, and I've been there of um, annoyance and anger and, um, and bitterness and um, victim mentality as well of like, Oh my gosh, everyone's out to get me and taking from me. And what they don't realize is that they have not set boundaries. Yes. And that's why they, that's why they're having those feelings is yes. because they're not giving themselves the most important attention. Yes. Yeah. And again, like the, the fear that drives that kind of self-sacrificing behavior, we often don't confront. So like what that looks like in my life these days, for example, is like one of my biggest fights is trying to get my kids to stay in bed. I thought like sleeping through the night was going to be the struggle, but like them actually fucking staying in bed just doesn't happen. <laughs> I don't get it. And so as the night gets later and they keep coming out of bed, like my resources are just depleted, depleted, depleted. And I start reacting a lot more than I want to. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like setting a boundary in that situation, like, yes, they're my kids and like, I love them and I don't want to traumatize them and all of that stuff. So like me being the best mom doesn't mean giving into them constantly and totally staying calm. It means communicating like, hey, I'm a human. I need time to myself and I need to go to bed. So like by this time of night, the door is closed. Like you have water, you are safe. You need to go to sleep. I need time to myself. So I'm communicating the limit to protect me so that I don't traumatize you tomorrow. How's that going for you? It's getting better. It's actually it's actually getting better. Like it's been a real process of like introducing a new routine routine, like communicating over and over why we're doing this. And yeah. we're getting they're coming out of bed less like they're sleeping by like nine o'clock now instead of 10. So they love you so much. No. They just want to see you, mommy. You know, I am not a parent, but I am going to share this little tip with you as a child who got out of bed a lot. Well, not a lot, because all it took was one action on my father's part for that to stop. So when I would get out of bed and be like, I can't sleep, daddy. He's like, oh, really? Oh, come here. See this corner? Stand there. And he would make me stand in the corner in the dining room. He's like, that should make you tired. <sighs> Damn. I never 
did it again. I'm going to put that in my like back pocket for the next time. <laughs> telling you. Or plan, you can also work. put them to work. Be like, yeah. if you're going to be up, then empty this dishwasher. Yeah. Well, Chores. Yeah. It's like the door gets That's closed what I'm at a certain time. If you're up beyond that, like. Chores. Yeah. Extra chores. I got extra chores. You have options. Stay in bed. Yeah. Or do chores or stand in the corner. Yep. So again, we're we're looking for some mutually beneficial territory here. Win-win. That's what healthy boundaries <laughs> let us do. And we're communicating them clearly. I don't yeah. understand the miscommunication. <laughs> the boundary oh deal. The boundary deal is hard with kids. And uh, you know, you just you, sometimes it looks different. Like, so Roxy, when she was eight, about 18 months old, I was changing her diaper. She was, you know about thigh height she walked over to me and bit me on the thigh <gasps> and i just reacted instantly and gave her one smack on the butt and it was pretty it was hard hard enough that she, there was a small red handprint and my ex-husband was horrified that i had struck my child guess how many times she ever bit me again mm-hmm. well so zero there's- there's elements where it's like there are natural consequences to violating boundaries. And again, yeah. boundary violations cause harm to people. This is really what our like guiding star is. And so, yes, it's not appropriate to hit our children. And when we have unexpected pain, we have a natural reaction. Yeah. So thigh like, is sensitive. I was like, yes. <laughs> there's those elements. But I always remind people like the most important thing is what we do in the aftermath of the yeah. violations, yes. right? Because repair is the most important thing and that's why the recovery element matters so much and so it's like there was the the stressor i reacted and now i'm assessing like was that the right thing yes or no okay this is what i take responsibility for this is why it happened like yeah and that's how you build the bridges towards growth yeah yeah definitely and it's so it's you just don't know i mean how kids are gonna respond you just have to just keep, you know, reinforcing, like you said, yeah. until you get the behavior because they're going to try kids don't they they will try anything to get what they think they want. It's honestly it, it's the same. It's the same in kids and adults. It's the same patterns of behavior. It's just different like capacity for ramifications. Right. I, I was just going to say we can relate this to the sales process. Yes. Right. When we're dealing with prospects and paying attention to, I mean, we have prospects and clients that push our boundaries. Mm-hmm. Can think of one. And who have, and have their own emotional shit going on that you have to deal with where you're like, well, what is that all about? Why, mm-hmm. why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's part of where the awareness of the whole cycle becomes so important because it's like we talk about, you know, wanting control. Control is this like illusion that we seek as an antidote to stress. And we try to seek it in like controlling the way that other people behave when the reality is that's never under our control. That's also never our responsibility. But but being able to mm-hmm. recognize like you have your yeah. own stories, feelings and experiences that you're bringing to this equation. If you react defensively, I cannot control that. I can control whether or not I meet you there. And the better that I manage my stress, the less likely I am to swing low when you swing low. 
Mm-hmm. And that's part of where, again, like whether you are a parent, a salesperson, a leader on a team, the way that you model self-care, stress management, and boundary setting is always going to trickle down to the people that you have an influence with in your life and those roles and responsibilities that you inhabit. Mm. I love it. Mm-hmm. I had another thought. I forgot what it was. <laughs> I was so well, caught let's, up in let's the- hop to our signature cl- questions before yeah. we wrap up, because that could be mm-hmm. interesting coming from Justine's perspective. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> so first question is, how would you define the word sexy? <sighs> So it's funny because I was listening to a podcast episode with you guys when I was walking today and I heard this question. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, fuck. I'm like, how am I going to even answer that? Um, I think that I define sexy as like a sense of worth and enoughness is really sexy. Like when someone can just show up as yes. they are and just be like, you know, this is who I am. So that's like, and then, and then really feeling seen is sexy. And I think that when people show up as they are, they have the capacity to really see you. Yeah. Mm. I love that. I knew she was going to come from a cool angle with that. I know that was cool. (laughs) That was super cool. Best advice you've ever been given. I don't know if this qualifies as advice, but like the most powerful question I've ever been asked is, do you want to be right or do you want to be free? Amen. High five. Little stars beside that. (laughs) Oh, show. If you ever get divorced and I've done it a few times, I will. I will advise you that that's a really good question to ask yourself it it came (laughs) up it came up in the aftermath of a broken engagement and detangling financial assets and like Mm -hmm. looking at the paper trail and having a conversation with a lawyer and her being like you know what I and this actually really influences the work that I do now to a degree because it was like she was like look I hear your story and you're not wrong like all of those things are true and do you want to be right in this or do you want to be free of this situation so that you can move Mm -hmm. on with your Mm -hmm. life and it was like amen Sunk costs. We got yep. and, yeah. and yeah, it was like name your price for freedom, and yeah. off you go. Oh yeah, I definitely felt that in my divorce. Yep, yep. Yeah, I I felt it. Uh, in with each of my fantastic divorces, <laughs> I uh, felt it in different ways, and gave up but different point, things. I gave up different. Yeah, things. I chose to be. I chose to be free. Yeah, yeah like well, my and, first and, divorce was so na- gnarly. I literally left with my guitar and some clothes and my passport and I left him everything, including my car, which he mm-hmm. asked me to buy back from him later. And I was like, no, like uh, I own that yeah. car. I gave it to you. Like it's, I just was like, have it all just, yep. I need my guitar and myself. Done. Yeah. And that, that that's the thing is that like that cliche, no matter where you go, there you are. Like you're always going to bring mm-hmm. yourself, your patterns, your behaviors into any relationship that you're in. There's always going to be tension and growth. And the question is, is that coming at the cost of myself? Yes or no. Are we able to do this work together without harming each other? Yes or no. And sometimes the answer is no. Mm-hmm. And then you move on and you go mm-hmm. do your work mm-hmm. with other people and you free them to do their work with other people. Yeah. Right on. Amen. Last question. What advice do you wish you had been given? I, 
it's possible I I was given this advice and just didn't hear it. Um, But I wish that I had better understood that like there is no fucking timeline. There is no right path. There is no template to anything. There's just the next step that Mm. you take. Yes. We say that all the time, don't we? Working with moving targets all the time right now. Do the next thing. Yeah. Do the next yep. thing. Know your Guess goals. what? A timeline can change. Yeah. Know your goals. Flexible about your methods. Yep. Yes. yes. And and one thing that I, similar to that is do the next right thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not the, not the, that golf club to the face thing that I was thinking of, but yeah. <laughs> the next right thing. <laughs> or, or sometimes you do something and then you're like, mm, now I got to just find a way to make it right. Yes, exactly. Yep. And repair is often the next right thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, you try something versus doing nothing because the doing nothing is not helpful. It's its own boundary violation. Yeah. You get stuck in a paralysis and yep. you got to just, all right, let me just, do it differently the next time. Yep. Um, how can people connect with you, Justine? Because um, it sounds like a lot of people need you. Yeah. What is what is the best way to connect with you? So the best place is actually to head to my website if you want to learn a little more about my work. It's justinesones.com. There's a bunch of stuff on the blog. And then I send out an email newsletter every other week called The Friday Feels. And it's a deep dive into all things stress management, boundary setting and feeling your feelings. So I I am on social media, but I'm not there a lot. So my email list is definitely the best way to, uh, to keep doing this work. Well, you know, we work at sales gravy. So at sales gravy, we would advise you to be on the social more so that you are building the audience and getting even more people to you. Just, just a little free coaching there. I know, but that's why I like doing podcasts because I'm a lot better at long form conversation than hot (laughs) takes and pretty pictures. Hot Boundaries take. is a very nuanced <laughs> conversation. Pretty pictures. I like it. I love it. Uh, well, yeah. we'll save that for another yeah. time. Yeah. So we'll in, in the meantime, sign up for my email list, bit.ly slash the Friday feels. Oh, I like it. I like it. She's got the custom bit.ly. That's nice. awesome. Yeah. Uh, it has been awesome having you on the show. Thank you so much for, for, I already feel less stressed from this episode. And I was like going into this episode going, I wish I could cancel this recording. Oh, wait, <laughs> she's going to help me. And I feel better already. So thank you so much, Justine. Thank you for having me. This was great. Awesome. Hey, Warners, it is time for us to wrap up this episode. Thanks for listening to this episode with Justine Sones about stress management. We know we can all use it all the time, no matter what's going on in the world. For more information about this show, visit women your mother warns you about.com this show is if you haven't heard it is sponsored by sales gravy where rachel and i both work so you can also check out salesgravy.com salesgravy.university we both have courses there that you can check out so check that out and um, for more information about me or rachel you can find us all those places too same with keith walters we love him even though we don't see him all the time any final words for you rachel I would appreciate it so much if you would leave us a nice review and share one of our episodes with someone that you know that might benefit from hearing what we talked about with Justine today. Yeah, especially this episode. By all means, share this episode like crazy because everybody needs it. All right, Warners, we're out of here. Bye, Warners.
This really will get serious soon. Yeah, I don't, it, it doesn't have to. I don't think anybody wants it to be serious. 